Thanks, Aaron. That's a bit loud. Good morning, everyone. I just want to begin this morning by saying we were in a moment here. Okay, were you with, were, were you with us here when we were singing? No power of hell, no scheme of man can separate me from the love of God. And we sang it over and over on purpose, right? Where's Josh? There's Josh. We sang it on purpose, right? No power of hell, no scheme of man can separate me from the love of God. That wasn't exactly the words, but that's where we're going. You know, when we gather together on a Sunday morning, but not just a Sunday morning, for a small group or whatever setting it is, my friends, this is what we're going to talk about this morning. We are coming together because we need to be reminded about the truth. Are you with me? We need to be reminded again about what we say we believe in. Because we walk out the door afterwards and we're like, who am I? What's my purpose in life? Is God really real? Did God really speak to me? And we forget. Are you with me? We forget very easily. And so we need to come together again and again and again to be reminded And so that's essentially my message this morning. The church as the community of faith. We are a people of faith. And so this morning I want to encourage, I want to stir up faith. I want to stir up why we would meet together, why we would need to meet together again and again and again. And so we have to go back and understand and talk about again, what is faith? And I'm just going to say this morning, I'm just going to be reminding us of stuff that we already know. It's not going to be new information, but I'm convinced we need to be reminded. So let's go back to that passage. I want to read it once again because it's really, really instructive and shows us what it's all about. So again, it's going to be Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. I'm going to read it in a different translation. This is the NIV. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, how? By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, especially as we see the day approaching. Let's unpack this a little bit. We have confidence to enter the most holy place. You know the story from the Old Testament, Jesus 
died on the cross. And at that moment, as he died, some amazing things happened. And this is historically true. This is what happened. The curtain of the holy uh, of the temple that was separating one part from the most holy place, the place where only the priests could go once a year, the place where no one else could enter to be close to God, that curtain, which they said was very thick material, in a moment was split open. Why did that happen? Why was that most holy place suddenly exposed? And here's the rub, my friends, because God wants to be with us. Are are your minds blown again, uh, refreshed this morning? God wants to be with us. The living God, the creator of all things, the one who made us, the one who knows us, he's not coming towards us with condemnation, but he's creating a way for us to be together. This is the foundation of our faith. This is the reason we come together, to be reminded that this is who God is. Tutti kumwe, are we together? Remember, ego. You say ego. If I say tutti kumwe, I'm asking, are we together? And you're going to say ego, which means yes. Come on, this is, we're going to be a little bit of African here this morning, all right? Work with me. The curtain has been torn open. The way, the accessibility to the Father is now open. Okay, I'm going to sit down. Right? And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. What are our impressions of God when we're just walking along the street and and, and not thinking deeply and subconsciously, where are we going? What are we thinking about God? Are we thinking God wants to punish us if we step out of line? Are we, are we worried, just focused on our sin or, or not sin? Or are we thinking, God is with me. God is present. Jesus actually did rise from the dead, and he is alive, and he is active. He is living inside of me. Let us hold unswervingly. You guys ever use that word as you're talking to people? Unswervingly? That's, that's a great word. Like, lock that in. Unswervingly. Let us hold unswervingly. It's not like this, driving on the street like this. It's going in a straight line. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. I say I'm a Christian. I say I believe in Jesus Christ. Let's hold to that. What does that mean for us? We're going to unpack that. For he who promised is what? He's faithful. It says in another part of the the word, it says, even if we are faithless, he will remain faithful. That is God's character. 
And here we come to this point that tells us that we are the church, the, 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 the community of faith. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Huh, that's curious. So I come and I'm, I'm believing in God. I'm reminded about who God is. And hopefully we're being reminded as we come together about what God's doing in the world. And we're going to talk about that some more. But also, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now faith gets really active. You know, James talks about faith a lot. And I'm going to read it right now. Very common passage, you you probably all know it by heart. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if a man claims to have faith, but he has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Faith must be accompanied by actions. And when we gather together, we are encouraging one another. Remember, remember, remember who God is. Remember what he's done for us. Remember what he's doing in the world. And remember who he says we are. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. There is a day coming, we believe, that Jesus is coming back. He is going to return. He's going to set everything right. Amen? That is our hope. But let me tell you, and it's important as we talk about faith, that we get to what God is doing right here and right now. As I've been reading the Bible over and over again in these last couple years, I can't get past how much the kingdom of God is talked about. And so I want to just promote to us, I want to encourage us again to be considering this morning, what does it mean? What is God doing in this world? And I want to tell you, God is establishing his kingdom on this earth. Now we often talk about God as Lord and we pray to God as Lord. And do we recognize, sometimes I think I fail to to remember what that really means when when I call God or Jesus Lord. Because what that means is like the boss, the master, the one who's in charge. And I've been switching my language to to talk more about um, God as the king. Because he talks so much about the kingdom that he is establishing. And that means he's the king. And we read that in, in the word. There is so much in the Bible about the kingdom of God and its establishment. I've been thinking about how right from the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, God created all things. Now, did God create garbage? Did he want this just to be passing away? No, the Bible says that he created it and it was good. It was wonderful. He said it was very good. 
And so right from the beginning, God was establishing his kingdom. And then we see that he gave us as humans a role to fill in creation. He said, you are my stewards. I am involving you in what I'm doing in this world. Are you with me? God is establishing his kingdom. So listen to a couple of verses that, that we, we read about Jesus. And I'm going to read particularly from, from the book of Luke, but some from some other passages too about the kingdom of God. First of all, we read that, um, this is now in Matthew, but Jesus gives Peter the keys to the, ki- the kingdom. He gives him the keys to the kingdom. Wow, that's so curious. He gives him the keys. That means that it has to be unlocked to get into it. It needs to be opened. But it's there and it's present. And he's giving him the keys. In another passage, it says later in Luke that Jesus conferred on the disciples his kingdom. He, he placed it on them. He was giving it to them. And some of you know my favorite verse, also from Luke 12, verse 32. Jesus says to the disciples, do not be afraid. Are you with me? My little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Okay, let's unpack that for a second. Don't be afraid. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't be afraid. How many times, maybe un, un, underneath or subconsciously, we're, we're struggling with fear? And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Your father, your father, guys, our father, He's giving identity. He's saying we belong with him. The curtain's been torn apart. We can enter the most holy place and be together with him. Your father has been pleased. It gives him pleasure to give us his kingdom. Now what is this kingdom he's talking about? Is it it just heaven? Yes, but it's also now. Jesus said the kingdom of God is near Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus told the disciples to go and preach the kingdom. Jesus traveled about proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus sent out 12 to preach the kingdom. Later the crowds came and followed him and and Jesus spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. He was both talking about the kingdom and he was revealing the kingdom in reversing the enemy's work on this earth, setting the, the demonic free, healing the sick, and speaking truth and peace into hearts. The kingdom was manifesting itself on this earth. Jesus sends out the 72 to say, the kingdom of God, it's near you. When you pray, say, your kingdom come. I think we need more kingdom of God language. It's obviously super important to Jesus. And we read about Paul too, as we come to the end of Acts, it says that day and night, From morning to night, Paul was preaching the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ. It was central to what they they were talking about. The reason this is so so important is because it orients us as to what our purpose on this earth is. How many times are you and I walking around like life is happening 
to us. Rather than walking in our true identity as sons and daughters of the king, commissioned to be his ambassadors of reconciliation on this earth. And that is the theme through the whole Bible. My friends, this morning, if there's one thing I could stir up in all of us, it's to be remembered, to be reminded of who we are and who God says we are, what God is inviting us to be part of in this world. God is establishing his kingdom, and God chooses to use people like you and I to accomplish his purposes on this earth. Are you with me? Do we believe this? Do we need to be reminded about this again and again? What's that? Often, all the time. So when we meet together, we're being reminded. When Josh is leading us in worship and we're singing about this is our God. Remember? He loves us. And this is what he does. He saves us. And so we walk out of here. Yes. 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 And we remember our purpose. We are not victims, my friends. So let me identify a couple things that need to be identified this morning that make us forget the truth. What about that anxiousness that we get sometimes? Now, I know some people deal with mental illness, and, and, and I'm not saying that's not a, a real thing. But let's just talk about anxiousness for a moment. Where does that come from? Is that... God's will for us to live in anxiety. What is anxiety? It's like worry about what's going to happen. But we believe that God is the king. This is his kingdom, and I'm part of it. He loves me. He's got a place for me. He's got a role for me to fulfill in this world. And what about fear? What are we afraid of? What are Ultimately, what are we afraid of? Do we need to be afraid? Faith would encourage us to say no to fear. Fear that would um, stop us from living into the, the purposes that God has for us. Fear that would tell us lies about who we are and who we're not. How many times did Jesus say to the disciples and to others, don't be afraid? So many times. One of the biggest ones for me that is just mind-boggling and I want to just share with you again is that story of Jesus and the disciples in the boat. They're going over the water. Some of these guys are seasoned fishermen. A storm comes up and Jesus is sleeping. Because that's what you do when a storm is going and the waves are like this and you think you're going to die. You sleep, right? And the disciples are afraid. Even the fisher guys And Jesus says, you know, he rebukes the storm, it gets calm, and then he says to the guys audaciously, what are you doing? Why are you afraid? What? So, are we not even to be afraid of our lives? I think so. I think so. I mean, if our belief is that God is real, Jesus is with us, he's living with us and we have hope that when we die it's going to be okay it's going to be actually really okay it's going to be really okay it's going to be actually super okay in fact as i think about it it's going to be amazing 
I just think about that. It's going to be so good. Oh, all of our fears, all of our anxieties, finally our struggle with all of these things, our own weaknesses in our lives, all of our um, wondering if, if I'm good enough, it's gone. That is our hope. Amen? That's our hope. Don't be afraid, my little flock. Your father, your father is pleased to give us the kingdom. Here's another one. We forget our God-given purpose. We forget so easily our God-given purpose. I want to say it again. You are not just spectators in this thing called life. We are not just bystanders waiting for God to come back or, or death to come. Or God chooses to work out his purposes through simple, humble, broken people like you and me. Are you hearing that this morning? you got to be reminded, just like I do. This is what God does. Psalm 8, David, the man after God's own heart, he got this. He said, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth when I consider the heavens. Did you see that rainbow this morning? When I consider the rainbow and the stars, what is man that you are mindful of him? Man is just a joke. Look at me. What is man that you're mindful of him? You made him a little lower than the angels. Then he says, yet, that's a key word, yet, you have given him a role to fill in the world. You've given him the job of taking care of creation. What a high calling we have. And then we read in John 15, 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. A servant doesn't know the master's business. I now call you, what is it? I call you friends. And the implication is, a friend knows the master's business. So here's the other thing, guys. We can know the master's business. Jesus wants to walk with us day by day. Jesus wants to speak with us. And I tell you, Jesus is speaking to you and to me. He is revealing himself to us. If we remove the distractions, and there are a lot of them, there are a lot of distractions in our lives. I know that. In Burundi, we had less distraction. Here, we got a lot of distraction. How often do I have a minute and just right away pick up my phone? Right now, I sometimes play euchre on my phone. Yep. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but distraction. It draws us from, from our reality and sometimes from our calling. We forget that whatever I'm doing, whether it's my, my, my homework, my test, my hockey game, my job, my business, my house, my things, they're not just for me. God wants to work through all of these things and through us to establish his kingdom on this earth. 
It's the now and the not yet, as, as we've talked about in other weeks. God is establishing his kingdom. And let me tell you something. Our belief in the coming kingdom that we were talking about before, the hope that his heaven and all of its beauty and all of its glory is going to happen. We believe in it so strongly that we live into it now. We're believing that as we walk around in Niagara-on-the-Lake, that God is with us and he's working through us to work out his kingdom purposes in this place today. Can I hear more amens right now? Can we just agree with that? This is not my word, this is God's word. This is our calling, my friends. And I'm just here to remind us again, the community of faith, that this is why we're gathering. To remember all this stuff again. Because this is what it's all about. You are not victims. You are not spectators. You are not bystanders. You are sons and daughters of the king. What about the news? What do you do with the news? Oh my goodness. Did you hear what just happened? Israel and Hamas, they're going at it. Oh boy. And we talk about it. That's okay to talk about it, but you know what? God invites us to join in his work in that. Way over there. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as an inheritance, Psalm 2. Jeremiah 29. Establish, establish yourself in the land. Build houses. Plant gardens. Marry Pray for the peace and the prosperity of the land. And if you do, if the land prospers, you will prosper too. That is our anointing, our calling. Are you with me? So when we talk about Israel and Hamas, we contend for God's peace, his shalom, the completeness, the wholeness of his kingdom to enter into that place. Are you with me? Are you, are you feeling faith rise up in you this morning? Not through what I'm saying, but through the Holy Spirit? we got to walk in this stuff, guys. This is the difference. This is what separates the men from the boys. Was that appropriate? I don't know. God said, we're, Jesus said we're supposed to be like children, so. Anyways. I was in Calgary um, the week before last. Um, amazing opportunity. We were gathering um, some Congolese pastors who are now living in Canada. Uh, they're living, there are seven guys who came. Uh, some are in Edmonton, Calgary, Saskatoon, Regina, Winnipeg. These guys all come not exactly just from Congo, but from the Great Lakes region of Africa, which is eastern Congo, Burundi, and Rwanda. They're all at a specific people group. In Congo, they call them the Banyu Malenge. In um, Rwanda and Burundi, they often call them Tutsis. This is a, a, a unique people group. And these guys in, in those countries, um, or sorry, in Canada, they're pastoring um, churches of Africans in their respective cities where they're now located. They're immigrants who've come here. And first of all, I just want to say that um, it's not easy being an immigrant in this day and age. It's actually super hard. These guys, some of them are working, um, I, I, I was texting one, we're trying to get a, a regular Zoom call together with these guys. I was throwing out some options of when we could do that and 
One guy said, listen, I, I work seven to seven every day. And on the side, I, he's a pastor. A couple of the other guys, they're working two jobs just to survive and pastoring on the side. Life is hard. They left a different kind of hard to come to this hard. What's remarkable about these guys, though, is not that, which it's remarkable, but what's remarkable is the reason we gathered, the reason we gathered was because they are asking the question, how do we be fruitful in this context? How do we reach out to Canadians, those who have lived here forever? We feel the compulsion to do that, and you know why? Starting already in 1972, there were prophecies made over this people group. And when we were living in Burundi, we heard this. And we sensed it as well. That God has been speaking to these people and saying, you will be a light to the nations. These guys know the prophecy and they are seeking to respond to it. They are seeking to live into this prophecy over their lives in spite of the hardship of their lives. One of the guys said, Eugene, he's a pastor in, in Edmonton. The Christians of Great Lakes are being persecuted because those guys, as you look from the capital of Burundi, Bujumbura, where we lived, you look across Lake Tanganyika, and you see the mountains on the other side, the mountains of, of Congo, and up in the mountains, it's the high plateau. They call it the haut plateau. Up in those mountains is where those people live. They raise cattle. Very deeply, deeply spiritual people. When the elders of those people, this group, um, call fast, everyone fasts. Whether they're believing, they're walking with God these days, and even the animals are forced to fast. I don't know how they do that, but that's what they do. But they continually, for years and years, they're perpetrated against by the population around them. The other ethnic groups attack them. The government soldiers attack them. It's been happening for days and days. One of our friends, his name is Lazar, he um, is from that area, living in Bujumbura. I'd have coffee with him often. He's one of the biggest advocates for these people, seeking the peace, advocating with governments, with the UN, other groups. Three months ago, he was taken in by the Congolese government, taken to the capital, Kinshasa, and he's in some deep, dark prison to this day. Eugene said, the Christians of the Great Lakes region are being persecuted in order that they might fulfill their calling. The prophecy already made from 1972 that they would preach the gospel to people all over the world. He also said, we have to be reminded that we're not simply refugees. Remember, God wants to use us to reach Canadians. The second night I was there, we had met all day long. We were tired, went to bed, staying in a hotel. 2.30 in the morning, I wake up. I hear a noise. I'm like, what is that noise? And then I was like, I know what that noise is. I know exactly what that noise is. You know, in Africa, when, when they pray often, most of the time, 
Everyone praised at the same time out loud. That's what I was hearing. The guys had been talking into the evening about everything we'd been talking during that day about God's um, kingdom and about God wanting to work through us to, to bring his kingdom to, 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 to bear on this, on this earth. And they began praying. They prayed till four in the morning. It's curious because the night before, um, or the morning before, I'd, I'd read in my devotions this curious story in Luke chapter 17 that I didn't understand. I was like, what does that really mean? And suddenly as this situation happened, I was like, whoa, I know. The disciples asked Jesus, they say, Jesus, increase our faith. Good prayer, right? And Jesus says, yeah, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can, or something like that, you can tell it to go jump in the lake and it will do that. But then he says, if you're a servant and you work in the fields all day, and then you come inside, do you sit down and just wait for the master to serve you or uh, no? You actually, you serve the master, finish your work, and then when it's all done, then you take your rest. And I thought, oh, that sounds like slavery to me. But as I listened to those guys praying, I thought, whoa, this is being revealed to me. How often do I settle for something less? I'm not saying it's wrong to watch Netflix or, or that kind of thing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not, this is not a guilt thing. But how often do we just settle for something less than God's best, the invitation from God to join him in what he's doing? So I want to make this really practical for us this morning in our last couple minutes here. Listen, my friends, whatever we're about in these days, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, your job is not simply to win hockey. Your job going to school is not simply to go there and, and try and get through this and just say, this is boring. Your job at your job is not simply to, to make enough money for your family. These are all important things. Winning a hockey game is great. I'm sure the Father takes pleasure in that. But let me tell you, you have an anointing. The Holy Spirit of God walks with you and wants to work through you in every context that we are in every single day. And we need to be reminded about that. My friends, May God give us an attentiveness, a longing, a, 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 a compulsion to join him in what he's doing. Listen, this is the time. The time is now. The kingdom of God is near. Let's join God in what he's doing. Don't settle for something less. Your job at school, I want to talk to the students. Where are you? Got some up there. Listen, guys. You have a calling. And it's not when you just become adults. It's now. God has chosen the weak and small things of this world to shame the strong. This is your calling. When you go to Eden, when you go to Crossroads, whatever school you're at, God wants to work through you. Pay attention. He's speaking to you. That person who's annoying or that person that is so quiet, what's going on? Ask God for a word for them. Ask if you can pray for them. Take a risk. At our jobs. What are we thinking about people? We think, oh, those people are annoying. And we just leave it there. Are we going in as an ambassador of God's reconciliation? 
thinking, remembering God is establishing his kingdom. That is what he's doing on this earth. He wants his shalom to reign in this place. That is what he's doing. And he includes us in that. What an amazing calling we have. My friends, be remembered. Why do I keep saying that? Be reminded. God has chosen to use you, me, us, wherever we're at. Are we tracking with each other this morning? Yeah? Can I hear it? Yeah? We got a job to do this week, guys. It's to join the Father in his wonderful work. It's a pleasure. Be attentive. God wants to speak into our hearts. Listen. Take the time to listen. What is God saying? What is he stirring in me? The time is now. The time is now. I just want to speak one last thing out before we end. There's lots of things that the enemy's going to throw at us to say that you're disqualified for the mission. Each of us know what they, what they are. Okay, so For some of us, it's, it's lies that have been spoken over us. You're not good enough. You're useless. Some of us, it's going to be, oh, I haven't been educated. Paul and John were ordinary, unschooled men, but they had been with Jesus. Right? Some of us, it's, it's our sin, something that happened in the past. That's not it. We're forgiven from our sins. We move on. We move on. We walk in the truth, the reality that the, Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And we walk into the truth. But we need each other. That's why we're here this morning. We need each other to be reminded, yes, this is who we are. This is what we get to do. The community of faith, it's who we are. I'm going to stop there. I think we got it. Do we get it? We got a job to do this week, guys. When we come back next Sunday, we're going to be like, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's going to be some testimonies next week because we've been reminded today, as we are, hopefully every Sunday, about who we are, what God's doing, about his kingdom being established in this place. And we tell each other the stories. Remember in Revelation it says that they, were, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Philemon 1 verse 6 says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith at all times so that you may come to a full understanding of all the good things we have in Christ. Wow. Are you feeling anemic? Are you feeling faithless? Are you feeling kind of small? Share your faith. Take the risk. Ask Jesus, show me what words to say. He will give us the words. This is it, guys. Let's do it. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are, the great God, the King. Thank you that you established your kingdom and all those feelings and longings in us for perfection, for health, for wholeness, for peace, for shalom, all of those things that we long for, it's your kingdom instilled inside of us. It's you inside of us. And so I ask God for this week by your Holy Spirit that you would anoint your people, anoint your people for service. May we accomplish the good works that you've prepared in advance for us because this is your will. May it be our act of worship this week that we would be attentive to you at live and at work in our hearts. 
I pray that we would um, have expectation. I want to speak that word over us this morning, expectation. Okay, I want to say that again, expectation. May we go out of this place with holy expectation that God is alive. Jesus is alive. And he's working in and through us this week. Kids, you're going to rock your schools. Come on. Come on. Come on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.